0: Welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by the Dr. Amongst Men, Duncan Joyce. How's things, Duncan? Hello, Lee. Great to hear from you. Likewise. um, What have you been up to, mate? What's going on?
1: Well, last week, um, followers of us on Twitter might have noticed, I took my wife to the Manchester Women's Derby. Which was a pretty fun day out. It was bloody freezing, but um, it was a nice game of football.
0: Yes, my wife and I were extremely jealous of that. So um, awesome, awesome to see that. Um, so who are we? Who are we supporting, Duncan?
1: City, basically. Uh,
0: that'll do. That's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> like we were.
1: I was under the impression that we were in a city section of the stadium and yet when United scored, there was good, like 30 or 40 people that got up and cheered. So I'm like, mm, okay, they must be pretty slack. It's a family day. It's, you know, stuff like that. They're not usually in this stadium. They're usually in the academy stadium.
0: Yeah, um, I say I say this with absolutely no disrespect, but I can't imagine they're used to having to separate supporters for the women's game. It was actually phenomenal to see the um, the attendance there, 44,000 plus.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good for um the oh god. The North Stand um had its top tier closed off and everywhere else there were seats available. Um and there were only like smatterings of um available seats around it. Um yeah, I thought the United fans had a um like a designated section, but uh, I guess not, 'cause like it's a, a it was a pretty um friendly environment, lots of families. Um, So it was just a nice, relaxed day of football. There was one end of the ground with some very vocal United fans, but once City got behind, people started to really kind of um, get behind the team a little more.
0: Nice. Yeah, it looked like a good day out. I would have loved to have taken my family, actually. Um, As the husband of a footballer, it's... um... Yeah, very nice to see women's football getting a good platform like that, Um, and she's definitely outlasting me these days because I'm in the old man's league and she's still playing competitively.
1: Oh, nice. (laughs) They had, um, it's called City Square, like right up to the uh, entrance where the, um, the store is and stuff, and they had lots of stuff going on there, especially for Christmas. They had Santa come out in sky blue instead of red, obviously. Um, they had a gift wrapping contest. <laughs> they had they have like a battle of the bands for the women's home games as well. And we had like the um, the second band on. They were very Oasis light, shall I say?
0: Nice. I uh... <laughs> oh sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. Then you said something and it triggered a memory. And then just as I went to speak, <laughs> it left my head. Um... Blue Santa, maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, blue Santa, that's exactly what it was Um, We went and had, for the first time ever, Santa photos last week um, At a, like, it's like someone's property They do this for a business where you can take your dogs and do it Uh And um i uh, i have a blue manchester city santa hat and we could not find it and i was steaming and we have three red hats and a green one and do you think my eldest would let me wear the green one <laughs> So <laughs> i've got a red hat on for the first time in my life i was not a happy camper that day <laughs> that
1: sensational
0: yeah so great oh man Oh well well it's good to it's good to hear um that Christmas is well and truly in the swing of things over there. Um it is steaming hot over here so complete opposite ends of the spectrum we'll be probably spending Christmas day in the pool at my mum's house I imagine. Oh
1: listen to you my god
0: <laughs> a few drinks in the pool after Christmas dinner is, is the typical sort of end of year for us, so that'll be the plan well, this year, I imagine.
1: You'd probably sink after British Christmas dinner if you went in the pool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it was a pretty sight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, speaking of not a pretty sight, a um, couple of shows we watched here. <laughs> so we're obviously back to talk Thunder and Smackdown, and it's the November 4th edition of each Um no surprise to anyone. SmackDown Trounce, Thunder in the ratings, four point eight to two point three. But um, four point eight actually sounds a little low for for SmackDown. Off the top of my head, does that sound about right to you, or does that sound a bit lower than than we're used to?
1: It sound, maybe on the low end, but still in a typical range. Thunder still being in the twos is somewhat surprising. Like they they got down into the ones and stuff before those writers from New York turned up. But um, in terms of quality, one of these shows took a dip and the, the other, not so much.
0: Yeah, totally. I've actually just brought the ratings back up. No, it is typically high fours, low fives for SmackDown despite Raw mm. being in the fives and sixes. That's I never realised that. I'm sure we've talked about it before, but yeah, I guess it just didn't didn't trigger to me last time. Mm. Um, yeah, so one show was pretty abysmal. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm, I'm, I won't give away any hints, but the end of the show, I just wrote in capital letters on my notes. What a waste of my time! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I actually, it's it's probably lucky I went away all last week for work to New South Wales, down to Sydney, and um, I obviously staying in a hotel, didn't have a whole lot to do. The TV there only got like the basic channels, which in Australia don't show anything other than the World Cup in the in the mornings, which was great. Um, so I just. On my laptop while I was down there, watched watched wrestling and caught up on all my notes and back back to normal.
1: Mm, cool. You um, you not a catch up before um, the the switch over, um, just in case, right?
0: Oh yeah. So I actually. The network's going to a, a streaming platform over here called Binge. And I got the email a couple of weeks ago. It says, like, you've got until the end of your cycle or whatever. I got charged for the network this week so I thought, or last week. So I thought, was oh, no rush. I've got a month left. But I, I saw you can get, like, a two-week trial on Binge. So, today I signed up. And I'm hoping this is just because legally it hasn't swapped over yet, which I think is happening on, like, the 1st of January. But on Binge, there's only Raw, SmackDown, and like a bunch of the shows, you know, like Legends House, uh, Monday Night War. There's no old school content at all. So I'm hoping that's going to change. Otherwise, it's going to be very hard to podcast for a little while.
1: Hmm. Might might take a while. I'll probably get there in the end. But th- this is still something that I'm dreading. Even though I've only had the network uh, four months out of the last year. Um, but still, it's I can't believe that I'd be like from a technological standpoint and from like an archive and arrangement standpoint that I'd be pining for them to keep this platform up but looking at what they had with uh, Peacock in America I'm, uh, I'm pretty grateful for what we've got at the minute and <laughs> I'm dreading change
0: yeah i'm the same so i'm gonna try and get a couple of shows in the can just in case there's a delay and a lag in trying to find content but otherwise i'll um i'll probably be restricted to find to reviewing whatever i can find on youtube for a little while which is is really disappointing because the network i've had it since the day it started in australia um i had it the whole way through and i don't really like i don't watch current wrestling i think it's been pretty obvious on the podcast like i'll dip in every now and again i think i watched the um No, I did. I watched the the main event of the last Survivor Series, the men's war game match, and even then I I just felt it was really contrived and it didn't grab me back in. I'll watch clips on, on Twitter, like, you know pretty much every week but a few clips here and there just to stay you know toe in the water but the the retro stuff i'll even when i'm not reviewing i'll go and put like survivor series 1990 on or a saturday night's main event or or something like that and i do regularly use it so i'm, I'm quite disappointed that it's not going to be on this same platform anymore and the the streaming platform it's going on to the interface looked pretty crap today when i was on there so I'm, I'm not looking forward to it oh man yeah so hopefully it doesn't happen to you anytime soon
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Um, Which show did you watch first, Duncan?
1: Uh, I watched Thunder as is tradition. All
0: right. Well, I didn't take my normal notebook, so I'm out of two books, so I've got the Thunder one open in front of me. That's worked out perfectly. Should we head on over and check out what Thunder's got to offer?
1: Yes, let's take a look. The Thunder rolls on the Superstation. This is
2: WCW Thunder, joined by wrestling's living legend Larry Zabisco. I'm Scott Hudson, and this week for Mike today, who is still on the location. and I'm Mike, buddy, you, you picked the wrong this, week to Battle of Thunder. It's this one, one is going to be one for the record, folks. I, I can't begin to tell you what, your your what your the creative control team and the new powers that be have been up to in WCW.
3: We saw what went down Monday on Nitro. It's gonna bleed over here to WCW Thunder. The yeah, wild show tonight, Scott. Of course, these these powers to be are powers that be. Whatever. But they're making wrestlers, wrestle uh, guys they don't want to. I mean, there's some surprises in store for it tonight. I don't know what the rumors are, and we'll find out
2: if
0: they're just in the room. If once we're <laughs> hearing backstage comes to fruition, <laughs> you are going to see one forever more strange show. Thunder, I think, for the second week in a row, has the commentary team of Scott Hudson and Larry Zabisco now. And it starts out with a match between Evan Courageous and Hoover 2 Guerrera. And we see um this match has happened a couple of times already, and been interrupted once by Bret Hart on Nitro and then by Sid on Thunder, which we reviewed in the last episode. Um both times the matches stopped so we're going for round number three and see if we can get through uninterrupted. What do you think the chances are?
1: <laughs> Is there an echo in here?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: literally the same taping that they're doing this again. Um, I thought you were talking about commentary earlier, but I think they alternate weeks. So last week we had Tane and Larry and they were actually at the the desk in the arena this time it's Larry and Scott Hudson probably taped in Atlanta and Scott even as a, as a dig at tonight telling him you picked the wrong week to bail on Thunder.
0: No, he did not. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> I wish we'd bailed on it. <laughs> um, Hoovy starts with some strikes in the corner. We get a power slam from Evan for a two and a double clothesline. Um, We're told Medusa beat Evan Courageous, um, and that Goldberg and, and Sid, sorry, are both out of the world title tournament, which is getting more convoluted every time we see it.
1: Yeah, I, I, that caught my attention as well. Just the tone of Scott's delivery on that line is like, Lash LaRue is still in the world title tournament, but Goldberg and Sid are out. It's kind of like a, who's booking this shit kind of tone to that statement.
0: (laughs) Rightfully so. Um. (laughs) Hoofy with a DDT and then courageous um, with a press slam into a hot shot, a snap suplex, and we've got some pretty bad piped in crowd noise here. I, I have noticed it. We've we've discussed it a few times. This time is one of the first times it really really irritated me because it's just whistling like piped in. It is annoying and so so so. Um, what's the, I'm, I'm trying to think of like the, the the best way to describe it. It's just really irritating.
1: Yeah, it's not naturalistic whatsoever. They're trying to create a kind of consistent atmosphere, and wrestling crowds aren't really like that. There's not always a persistent hum of excitement. Sometimes people are a bit more patient and they're trying to see what's going on. And to imply that people are constantly like that, it's just a bit insulting.
0: Yeah, and like, you might, like, right before a big moment, get someone in the crowd wolf whistling, but you don't get someone wolf whistling at an Irish whip to the corner. Like, it's just. <laughs> It, it it's like sensory overload. It's like you know the dogs probably could hear it. It's it's frustrating.
1: There's <laughs> like an Irish person in the crowd. That's our move, way.
0: Hey! <laughs> oh man, we've got um, a super. Oh sorry, you go.
1: No, so, um, there was like a double down from a clothesline earlier, and as soon as that happened, I was like, right, okay, who's coming out now? But then the match carried on as normal.
0: Yeah, we've got a bit of false sense of security. Um, Evan Grey just needs a superplex for it too. And then what star the calibre of Bret Hart or Sid could come out to interrupt the match? It's Norman Smiley, of course. (laughs) 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 Ah,
1: so that explains all the fake crowd noise because he's screaming Norman Smiley, so it's just him screaming all the time.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's ridiculous. And he comes out and cuts a promo. Oh, I just, I can't even. I'll splice the promo in here for everyone to listen because I can't do it justice.
2: Hey, take it easy. Un moment, amigo, un pre- this will take one moment. Just one moment even time. Just one moment. Just one moment. Tran- Tranquilo, amigo. When you people first laid eyes on me, I knew exactly what you were thinking. You are thinking that that man is hardcore to the bone. Hardcore? It's taken me a little time to convince the powers to be in WCW to bring back the hardcore division and let the wiggle loose. Now that I have found my speciality, if you will, there is no stopping me. When you think of tough as nails, when you think of hardcore, think of one man. Think no man. Norman. And I'm predicting, I am predicting here and now, now and here, that every wrestler in WCW will be at the receiving end of a hardcore wiggle.
3: I think Smitty's head—he's been crying like a baby through those matches.
0: So he's basically um, campaigning for the hardcore title to come back. Evan Courageous and uh, Hoovy double team him. Um but they go to that they, they sort of they go to attack and they both collide as he as he avoids, hits the big wiggle on both, and we go out to a commercial. This was just absolute nonsense, Duncan. <laughs>
1: so I'm not gonna lie, I found Norman's interruption slightly more charming than Sid's from last week. I especially liked his line. When you think hardcore, think one man Norman Um, I think the, the wrestling was quite a bit better than last week as well. Um, there was some more entertaining offense, but it was still clear looking from the way that the lads were wrestling that they were just out there waiting for the interruption.
0: Totally. I actually, yeah, I was enjoying this match and was sort of hoping against hope that like they'd let it finish this time, but no, they didn't, um. And, yeah, to have Norman Smiley cut a promo during your match basically screams job to both these guys, so good luck getting over next week.
1: Russo, we don't like the small lots.
0: Nah. We um, come back from a commercial seeing The Revolution just chatting backstage in, like, one of those sort of hidden camera kind of setups about adding a member. Um, and then we go to <laughs> Mike Graham.
3: He broke 6,000 guitars, never drew a dime.
0: Never join a dime <laughs> Telling Goldberg that he'll be tagging with Saturn against Rick Steiner and Chris Benoit. Um to which none of them are happy. Sorry, um Was I right? Was that Goldberg? Did I
1: No that's not so it's um Saturn and Sid teaming against Benoit and Rick Steiner and Steiner and Sid are still like running running buddies, so Sid's all pissed off at Mike Graham and Mike's all hey I didn't do it, don't shoot the messenger and like alright Bart Simpson.
0: Yeah, I think I, I don't know why I confused um Goldberg and Sid there. My apologies. I actually wrote Goldberg as well. I don't know what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> Hudson with a line at the end that was rather notable. I wouldn't want to be Mike Graham
0: <laughs> Nope, not many would.
1: I guess
0: not. Um, We then go to Booker T with Stevie Ray taking on Kaz Hayashi. Um, We see Jeff Jarrett beat Booker T um, with a guitar shot on Nitro. When we get started, we have a a knee from Booker T and a slam. Um, Kaz Hayashi with some kicks, a drop kick and a plunger before Stevie Ray attacks him on the outside, which Nick Patrick definitely saw. They did a terrible job of of hiding the offense um, from the outside man here. Throwing back in the ring, bookend, a missile drop kick, and the 1-2-3. This was a bit of a nothing match, really.
1: There was some watchable offense, but what really let this match down for me was the stupid heel-and-face dynamic you had earlier on in the taping. Stevie Ray was the clear babyface against Virgil, or whatever he's calling himself. And now here, you got his tag team partner, the much more popular Booker T, and he's having to work heel against this lad, probably because of the size differential, like, he looked massive compared to Kaz, and it's just really messed with my head.
0: Yeah, nonsense all round.
1: Uh, Other nonsense. So, the maestro in the first show on this taping came out to Pyro, Booker T, who has, you know, very signature pyro, didn't have it coming out for this match.
0: I didn't even notice. There you go.
1: I think that racial discrimination lawsuit that Sonny Ono raised has a a bit of uh, something behind it.
0: Jeez, that's brutal. And the maestros as wide as they get, you know, that's not helping things at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and Larry um, continually keeps talking about the powers to be instead of the powers that be. And Scott is constantly trying to correct him. And Larry just like, who
0: cares? (laughs) Yep. Larry is saying what we all think. Um, We go backstage and the filthy animals pickpocket, Doug Dillinger. Um, It's as stupid as it sounds. And then (laughs) mean Gene is with Rick Steiner, who says that um, he and Sid will be the last two standing despite being on opposite teams. So
1: being consistent with last week, Rey Mysterio is still being an old horn dog. He goes over to Dillinger and he asks, Do you want a cookie baby?
0: <laughs> I don't even understand.
1: It just it just sounded dirty, especially <laughs> given the the tone of his promos last week. <laughs> Rick Steiner as well addressed the powers that be as the power wannabes, which I thought was a neat line too.
0: Yeah, not bad from old DFG. <laughs> we then go to um, Eddie Guerrero out with the Filthy Animals taking on coach Buzz Stern, and yes, he's still around with Luther. Oh,
1: God. Scott um, declares, Luther begs in tremendous physical condition.
0: oh he most definitely is not um eddie guerrero cut a pretty lame promo for him um and then we see a video of the filthy animals uh winning tori back because wrestling logic she was in a cage until they won a match
1: yeah the key on a pole match and the pole was way too big and eddie had to leap for the key and that honestly looked pretty spectacular um even amongst all this nonsense
0: we then go to um, the match getting started. We've got a Buster and Side Slam, and Eddie Guerrero Head Scissors. The um, what have we got here? The animals steal a note. Um, God, I've lost my train of thought already. They they steal something. <laughs> um, Buzz, oh, the notebook. Sorry, yeah. um, they steal they steal Buzz Stern's notebook from Luther Biggs. Uh, Buzz Stern comes out the ring and he gets a beat down from everyone. Um, back in the ring, he gets a BK bomb and a frog splash from Eddie for the one, two, three. Um, with incompetent referee number two, back to back matches just missing the interference right in front of them.
1: Ray right during this beat down continually punched Biggs with kidman's camcorder which is pretty violent
0: yeah it's a bit harsh as well <laughs> um not, not much to say about this one it, it was pretty um pretty lame and i've just got here like i'm, I'm struggling like you just mentioned already about the face the heel face dynamic but buzz Stern, surely not a baby face but the animals like cheating and then beating him down afterwards they're um they're heels here and also we're told they're going to defend their tag titles later but they come out with no belts during this match um mm. any idea why that is if they swapped outside of a taping or something
1: uh pff, i think it's just laziness maybe um I've, I've lost track the title could have changed multiple times <laughs> during the <laughs> the week that we've, we've we've been waiting for this episode um yeah, I felt the same. More flipped heel face nonsense. Eddie had two moves of significance. That was the only thing that cheered me up. And um, beat down at the end with the filthy animal lads stealing the shirts. Tory blowing Coach's whistle. Like, okay.
0: Yeah, it was just all a bit lame, really. We go to Mean Gene again. He's with Curly Bill and Berlin because they're going to team up to take. They've got a tag title shot somehow. Um,. Not much to see here other than dissension. They're not going to get along. (laughs) Berlin declares,
1: anyone who comes from Texas shouldn't be allowed to talk in the first place.
0: (laughs) We go to a commercial. We come back and Rick Steiner tells Ben he's in for a long night. Um, And we get a recap of the Misfits beating down Berlin. Um, And then we've got a bunch of... um, I'm sorry, the Misfits beating down Berlin... And then we go to the World Title Tournament results. We've got Lash LaRue tapping out the cat. Buff Bagwell wins a strap match by DQ. Yep, you heard that right, against Stevie Ray. Mr. Perfect um, has a count-out victory against Disco Inferno. Jeff Jarrett beats Booker T. That's the highlights we saw earlier with the guitar shot. Medusa beats Evan Courageous by kissing him and then pinning him while he was down. Benoit beats Dean Malenko in a cage, and then The Revolution, Filthy Animals, and David Flair all come out to brawl. We've got... um, Someone beats Sid. Who beats... Uh, Scott Hall beats Sid with interference from um, Bret Hart, uh, and just, yeah, this is a mess. Like, having gimmick matches in, like, the early stages of a tournament, main eventers going out but Medusa and lower card guys staying in it yeah this this is so convoluted I can't imagine like actually following the brackets of this tournament at all
1: I'll again invite you to check out blogspot.com to make an attempt at following that in some more detail but (laughs) there is one detail that I completely missed um even when I watched all of those matches for that blog there's some real confusing stuff surrounding the United States title so Brett Seemingly surrenders the title because of his hairline fracture in his leg. The outsiders give it to Sid, and then when Hall wrestles Sid in their tournament match, it's also for the US title, and Hall ends up winning it.
0: Yeah, I am not even going to try and keep up.
1: Utter bollocks.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. We also get a recap of Benoit versus Sid from the last show, but check out the, the last episode of the podcast for that one. We then get the revolution with Sid and there's dissension there. They're not happy about um, the teaming up with Saturn. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Gene is with Leparka, and this is my actual favourite part of the whole show. Um, He cuts a promo in Spanish with subtitles, and he tells everyone that he wears this ridiculous costume because he's a fan of Skeletor, and ends it with, I have the power, and I couldn't love Leparka anymore.
1: (laughs) Poor lad's having words put into his mouth from the looks of it.
0: Yeah, it definitely, um, and the commentary team make mention that it does not look like the subtitles line up. And I know everyone's probably going to think this is, you know, a bit of a burial and a little bit racist, and it probably is, but it it definitely made me laugh. So at least the comedy was on point for this one.
1: Yeah, Russo's stance on overseas workers, shall we say, who don't have uh, English language skills um, dictates that this was not really for the with the best of intentions in mind, even if you, you got some um, enjoyable stuff out of it on occasion.
0: Yeah, even a broken clock's right twice a day springs to mind here. Um, Buff Bagwell versus Parker now, and we've got um, videos of Buff Bagwell breaking kayfabe. Um, this, again, it just starts to really irritate me. Buff with an arm drag, um it gets a a road warrior pop thanks to the piped in noise, so very very popular arm track, um, and a lot of stalling, which is still popular with the crowd. If you if you just listen, a slam and then a LaPaka hip toss. Um, it's do a move, stall, repeat. Um, we get. Basically, Buff pretends to let Leparka give him a kick to the back of the head, which is how their, I think, Nitro match finished. Um, but he suckers him in and clotheslines him and then hits a Buff blockbuster for the 1-2-3 in a pretty shit match. This was a solid 5 out of 10 on the Hammerlock scale.
1: Ooh. I thought you'd have been into this considering half of the stalling was Leparka dancing
0: i I like that, but it's this whole buff's not gonna go along with the script thing that it's really irritating me like i i I don't know i i don't I don't think I'm alone in this, but i like any allusion to the script or the booker or anything like this in wrestling actually just annoys the shit out of me
1: oh yeah totally that that is the albatross that dragged this match down. I would vaguely be interested in seeing them have a serious match based on like, the brief exchanges that they had between the stallmen, but when you got this phone-it-in gimmick going on, it just completely
0: ruined it. Yeah, and I forgot to mention, he also looks into the camera after winning and says that he's not going to be doing any jobs. Like, just fuck off. Um, Jeans with the Filthy Animals, they take the piss out of Curly Bill and Berlin as we go out to a commercial break. And then it's time for the animals to defend the tag titles against Curly Bill and Berlin um bill is stealing a living at this point the fact that in 1999 he's just put on a cowboy hat and some chaps and still earns a living in professional wrestling is absolutely like bravo sir
1: he's also got a waistcoat that he can't fit his hands into the pockets of
0: <laughs> and i've just got a note here during the entrance because obviously the wall comes out with um uh, with berlin the wall looks like all the members of main event mafia combined into one person
1: Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> that's <laughs> a good call, actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what Book T, the sunglasses?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got a little bit. He's got the, the Steiner hairdo. He's got like he looks like Angle in the suit. He's 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 just got something from all of them. Nash's height, everything rolled into one. <laughs> um, oh.
1: The animals came out, and Kidman was trying to cut a promo again, and that led to Tori giving him a snog. To shut him up, because she clearly had enough of him talking as well.
0: <laughs> she helped that man's career by keeping him quiet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Although, then, when they're in the position to try and start the match, Kidman somehow gets a microphone again and asks Virgil if he's the sheriff and Blazing Saddles.
0: Yeah, I think they tried that joke in the back earlier, and it just didn't land. Like, these... Bloody, I, I, I don't actually know, like, what Blazing Saddles is. I'm assuming a TV show, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess it was pretty dated by 99.
1: It's a Mel Brooks film. It was, I think it was, like, the late 70s or something. It's kind of a, a Western spoof.
0: Yeah, and, like, the Filthy Animals are meant to be this cool sort of quasi-hip-hop style group. Are they really, like, quoting 1970s films?
1: Hmm.
0: Ugh. Anyway, um... We get a drop kick from Berlin and then a back suplex for a two. Um, The crowd noise is still really irritating me here. It must have really annoyed me. I've written it so many times. Um, Nice spin kick um, and a drop kick from Kidman. A clothesline. A power slam from Berlin before Conan comes in and hits that lovely rolling lariat and the X Factor. Curly Bill um, hits an arm breaker and then him and Berlin just start arguing for no reason. The wall gets on the apron and punches Bill, and then that allows Conan to lock in the Tequila Sunrise and pick up the victory. I don't know why Berlin bothered coming out for the match. If he was just going to argue and walk away, why accept it in the first place?
1: Mm, Yeah. Berlin and Kidman, when they were wrestling together, that was serviceable. But the ending, it just makes so little sense. Like, Virgil was on a roll. He was basically in the middle of a hot tag, and then suddenly he wanted to tag out. No wonder Berlin didn't want to get back in the match You know, because it's like You're doing good, what the fuck is going on?
0: It just made no sense
1: It's a running theme For this night
0: Yeah, then we go Jean is with my favourite Lash LaRue, fuck <laughs> Oh yes,
1: <laughs> some folks won't Save names on the face, but some folks Might I wager, like LaRue The Slack Jog
0: Cajun <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck, that's amazing <laughs> Oh, my God I just want to punch my TV when he calls a cruiserweight title The Cajunweight Cajun title Cajunweight title <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh. Sensation. You know, you've risen to prominence very quickly here in WCW But I've got to ask you about the odd show respect Disco Inferno has given you in recent weeks Respect, Gene Respect should be at least what Disco Inferno is showing me after what happened in Las Vegas. But the fact of the matter is this. Respect and trust is two totally different things. And as far as trusting that Disco Inferno, I don't trust him further than I could throw my granddaddy's mule. But the fact of the matter is this. As long as he's carrying around my Cajun weight title, he's going to be on my hit list. And you've already seen what I've accomplished in this world title tournament. We have. So the fact of the matter is, in the next upcoming weeks, one way or another, we're going to see gold around the waist of the Cajun sensation. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to keep on going, you keep on watching, and
0: I'm going to let the good times roll, I guarantee. That was, um. <laughs> what your your promo is better than his, so I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> jeans in with Van Hammer, who... Like, it fits into the Curly Bill category of still having a job in 99 and he says he's going to join the revolution and I think there's not a fucking chance in hell that's going to happen.
1: He claims he's going to give the revolution a revelation.
0: <laughs> i just when i was watching this i know it's not the revolution at all Jump ship but do you remember like the radicals coming across um and i know that there was talk that um shane douglas was in that group with them but wasn't wanted can you just imagine if van hammer was sat ringside with the radicals oh shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would have been a game changer <laughs> Um, we go to Lash LaRue versus Silver King. Um, I've got here Save Me, but this turns into a like a serviceable match. Probably the best one on the show, to be fair. Um, nice flipping leg drop from Silver King and then Lash LaRue with a the clothesline. And they brawl on the outside and LaRue comes off the top with a crossbody and an elbow for a two. Silver King with a snapmare and a kick um, and then a corkscrew senton as well. Gat gets a two. Lashler with a sunset flip for a two. Silver King with a slingshot sent on for a two and a backdrop. Lashler with a nice slam, a drop kick, and the whiplash for the one, two, three in what ended up being a, a fairly decent match. Uh, not too bad at all, really.
1: I think this turned out to be the best match on this episode of Thunder 2. Yeah. There's always a level of clunkiness with Lash in there, but Silver King had some really decent stuff and he seemed to feed off the energy of some of the fans that genuinely were into him, I guess with him being in, in California and stuff. Um, there's also some pretty nice talk at the start of this match because uh, Lash had put Kat out of the tournament um, by putting him in a submission uh, to take advantage of the injury. Larry had a line talking about, If the wheels are gone, you can't... You... What? Ah, If the wheels are gone, you ain't going anywhere fast. And that led Scott to point out how important the World Heavyweight title is if this guy is entering the tournament way before he's really legitimately ready to compete because he just wants a shot at this title.
0: Yeah, nice little bit of saving there for um, what's just nonsense really as to why they're in there. Mm -hmm. We then go to um, Gene with Chris Benoit who cuts a pretty basic promo. It's definitely watching WCW... Like, you can see where Benoit succeeded in the WWF because they just didn't let him cut promos, really, and kept him quiet.
1: So, um, after what you pointed out last week, I paid attention to what this segment looked like on the network, and it was titled, Mean Gene Conducts an Interview. And the thumbnail for the segment was just the interstitial funder or logo that they do when they're transitioning between segments.
0: Sorry, mate. I think my Skype cut out Then can you, can you repeat that for me?
1: Oh, yeah. So last week you were talking about how um, the network um, quick, um, quick links in, in the episode try to avoid referencing Benoit. So I went and checked what this segment was referenced as, and it was called Mean Gene Conducts an Interview. And the thumbnail for it was just the interstitial thunder ident that they have when they're like, transitioning, toward, uh, transitioning between segments.
0: Ah, so at least it wasn't fully blacked out this time, I guess. That's what I saw on, I think, last time we talked about it.
1: Oh, it was just a black screen?
0: Yeah, on one of uh, them, yeah. Because I think the segment actually just started with Benoit in shot and nothing else, so they just blacked it out. Right, Okay. all right well some more editing going on there it might not be a problem soon i might not be able to see anything with him on it because there's nothing old on there (laughs) um we go to a commercial and when we come back we see the revolution beating down benoit on nitro in a cage um they just keep on repeating the same bloody clips it's really irritating
1: yeah commentary were amazed when david flair came out and made the save and so was i
0: (laughs) oh man we then see D Malenko taking on Van Hammer in a test to see whether or not he's good enough to join the revolution. And in a really intelligent move, he cuts a promo before the match...
2: Can help you guys. That's right, me. Now we can do it two ways. You guys can welcome me into this group, give me a place to hang my hat, and we can raise all the hell. face it, you guys could use a big man in your group, that's obvious. Uh, that's not going to help your case. Or, the other way, is I can fight my way in and I can start by kicking his Vertically challenged ass, right now. <laughs> whoa, whoa. good luck, bad hammer. I think we know the answer already.
0: But, and basically saying that, like he's taller than milenko so therefore it's going to be a pretty easy win. Um, it really endears himself to the revolution, who he's hoping to join.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
0: Malenko, uh, not happy with this, just fires off a low drop kick and attacks the leg. Um, we get a second rope clothesline and some more work on the leg. Van Hammer hits a version of the Alabama Slam, a cobra clutch, but the ref gets bumped and then Saturn and Dean Malenko, um, sorry, Satin and uh, Shane Douglas, um, crutch him on the post, um, wrap his knee around the post and allow Malenko to lock on the cloverleaf and pick up the submission victory.
1: This match sucked. Dean Malenko, <laughs> man of a thousand holds, somehow only got around to using one tonight. Van Hammer had a good spine buster, that was the only highlight. Yes, there was a match between Dean Malenko and Van Hammer, and I attribute the only highlight to Van Hammer. Come after me <laughs> internet. the net.
0: Uh, Just go and watch it, you'll see. <laughs> um, we get more video recaps of stuff that we've already seen, and I legitimately zoned out and started playing on my phone, so I didn't take notes about them. Um, oh,
1: you, you missed a doozy of a line here then. Yeah. So there's lots of people visiting creative control, and Duggan's in there at one point, and Russo tells him he has four kidneys and draws zero ratings.
0: <laughs> um, Duggan was in a suit as well. He was looking very dapper.
1: Oh, he was trying to uh, kind of pitch himself a... Um up to these, these new owners. Um, he'll downgrade his outfit quite a big deal after that meeting, I believe. <laughs> um, we also saw Brad Armstrong was talking to someone and he was told that he had no personality and he'd better call his little brother to get one.
0: Oh, my God. Um, we, um, we go to an eight-man battle royal and tell us the premise of this battle royal dunk.
1: Well, funnily enough, it's the eighth match of the show, and there are eight men in this battle royal, which is kind of neat. What do they see here? The winner gets a golden opportunity on Nitro, whatever that means, and the losers, quote, should seek opportunities up north.
0: Absolutely horrendous. Like, oh, it's just... Russo is just immediately killing the show i mean thunder was never good but my god it's taken a dip since russo came
1: absolutely so these are basically all of the lads from the first episode of the taping who don't have a match so far tonight so it's the blue bloods scotty riggs charvo Jay flynn l dandy and prince iakea
0: we get Dandy's out pretty quick, um, and then Chavo gets rid of Chris Adams after a botched attempt. Basically, Chris Adams goes up for the ten punch, and Chavo's meant to dump him, but it doesn't work. So then Chris Adams goes back up for the ten punch, and Chavo does dump him, which is a bit poor.
1: Chavo had an amusing attempt at getting Taylor over the top rope. He was doing like the shaking on the ropes. it just like looks like he's giving him a hand job. <laughs>
0: Jerry Flynn gets rid of Riggs. Um, the Prince kicks out Jerry Flynn. Taylor sends out the Prince. Regal and Taylor then double team on Chavo. But Chavo ducks um, and Taylor um, catapults Regal out and Chavo gets the win. So interested to see what golden opportunity means next week and what match Chavo will be in.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, I did like a couple of eliminations, to be fair, especially Jerry Flynn's one with the the, the kick getting crouched. Um but it's mostly bottom of the bottom of the barrel stuff. Hudson yeah, I mean... got to shout out Stratford upon even when uh, Taylor was getting worked over though. So
0: fair. I thought um Chavo was the right call for for the win anyway. He was the one with the most upside in this match for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice anything about the crowd noise in this one?
0: I didn't take a note. I must have um thought everyone was sick of hearing me complain about it.
1: <laughs> well, um maybe they toned it down a bit because if you looked at the actual physical crowd that had really thinned down by this point of the show,
0: don't blame them.
1: <laughs> not at all.
0: Um, we've then got Sid and Rick Steiner talking about doing a finger poke and laying down. Um, Sid wants Steiner to lay down. Steiner obviously suggests that Sid does it and he's having none of it. So um, Sid basically tells Steiner he's going to do it. Who? And Steiner pulls a face behind his back, suggesting that he might not.
1: Mmm, spawn <laughs>
0: Um, Rick Steiner and Benoit versus Sid and Saturn is our main event. Rick Steiner um, tags and double crosses, uh, tags in and then double crosses Sid on the pin. Um, he's meant to let Sid pin him and he goes to roll him up. Sid's not happy. So he power bombs him and walks out of the match. Yeah. Okay. It's now Benoit versus Satin because Sid's left and Steiner is down. Benoit with a backbreaker for a two, Perry Satin with a T-bone suplex, before Rick Steiner gets in and belly-to-belly and power slams, uh, sorry, belly to belly's Perry Satin, and leaves. Benoit then gets a slam and elbow at his rolling Germans, a top rope headbutt, and this is enough to bring the revolution in, followed by the filthy animals, and we end the show in a brawl with no ending for a complete waste of time, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs>
1: Yeah, important line from Hudson here when it comes to deciding um, storyline progression when we're doing the ratings later. He declares, Nothing has been settled!
0: <laughs> um, Yep, that's definitely going to come into play later because nothing's been settled anywhere on the show.
1: <laughs> this whole match was basically a wash and repeat from last week. It seemed like they were trying to go for this... 1995 Wild card Survivor Series 5, but they had so little time. It's just like, why bother? What's the point?
0: Yeah, it's just... If the, if, it, if it's not going to pay off, I mean, I guess you could say Sid Powerbombing Rick Steiner will have, you know, it'll play in later, but it was too short to mean anything, and then they didn't even have a finisher from it anyway.
1: Mm, it's... They go hot and cold over whether someone is a babyface or not, but I think they are pretty keen to have sid be a baby face down the line um i think especially if you go back to halloween havoc they even tried to do like a double turn with him and goldberg and um last week's show was kind of a retcon of that and i guess some of the stuff that's happened over the past couple of shows is an attempt to kind of more naturalistically build to that
0: yeah i guess so um yeah, not much doing here for me on thunder so I, I think we'll we'll obviously you know cut it up a little bit in the ratings at the end but let's move on to halftime
1: yeah
3: now why did you do it you know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. it's halftime rhyme on, rhyme on, rhyme on, rhyme on. It's, it's halftime, halftime.
0: I don't have a magazine article for halftime this week, so I thought I might actually do something a bit different and ask what are your most recent wrestling purchases of, of any description, be it merchandise, subscriptions, anything? What are the last few things you can remember spending money on for wrestling, Dunk?
1: Oh, now, I didn't wind up actually buying it, but um, went to Charlton last week and was going around some of the charity shops, and the RSPCA shop had a couple of wrestling shirts there, which took me by surprise they had one of some old joe's NXT t-shirts and they had the revivals no flips just fists t-shirt interesting um what was my last genuine wrestling purchase um oh gosh uh i don't know actually i don't tend to put that much money into things um I'm sure I must have bought some kind of t-shirt recently. Oh, it's my... I I bought... um, There's a Rey Mysterio shirt on clearance. Um, It's really cool. It was... You know how he has that deal with Roots of Fight in Las Vegas and they do these really cool shirts?
0: Yeah, they do some nice shirts. I I wanted a Mike Tyson one of them, but I never got around to buying it.
1: So it's WWE's kind of attempted riff on that. It's like this sky blue... Um, shirt and it's got like a rain, pretty old traditional Lucha gear and it had a really nice font and yeah, I'm I'm really fond of it.
0: Nice. I um I'm trying to think what what mine were. I opened my Mega Powers set of figures today, so they've been sat in my in my house for a few days and I finally opened them and I in the ringside sale I bought the AEW Taz to go next to my Mattel Michael Cole, so that's probably that's the last Taz! thing I actually bought. Yes. <laughs> um other than that i can't remember um i've had a obviously been doing a lot of christmas shopping lately so i've had to tone down a lot of the the purchases for myself but in the new year i'm sure i'll pick up and and get some more stuff um Mm -hmm. yeah i I had a big november and a quiet december
1: Mm, i'm pretty behind on aew but i was watching grand slam view of the week and um when they claimed we're having their tag title match i was checking out um like, their entrance gate, I'm like, oh, bloody hell, if they made that Bowen's um, football jersey, I would totally buy that. And then I got really pissed because they made Castor's basketball jersey as, like, a limited-time thing, and then they didn't bother making Bowen's top.
0: Oh, that's a bit rough. Yeah. Big fan of the acclaimed. I um, Not quiet enough to get me to pay for AEW, but um i'm definitely i will check out what they do every single week i if, if dynamite came to any sort of subscription service that i already have i think i would definitely check out an episode or two and see where i fall but i just can't bring myself to pay you know for a single episode of a tv show um when i've got the network and youtube and impact plus and everything at my fingertips and i don't have time to watch stuff on there half the time mm. yeah Anyway, that's our most recent wrestling spends. Not actually that much, actually, when we both thought about it, but it was worth a shot. Um, Should we head over and check out SmackDown and try and cleanse the palate a little bit?
1: Oh, we're going to cleanse some stuff, all right. Break it
3: down! I <laughs> love this. This is <laughs> the <person laughs> best footage. I, I'm like Scorsese. Right, <laughs> the way I put this together. Sure,
1: come, on. On. come on! Come on! <laughs> come on. You're to see <laughs> this. Guys, we guys, guys, see
2: Dog date oh. the show Monday night. This is oh, stuff. yeah. Come on. Come on. And, and really, this is some of the best stuff that he has <laughs> ever done. Look at where's the
3: to rock. This is the opening no, 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 show. Oh. Right off the get-go, this just dominating
2: the show right and behind. Turn number one. We Wait, there's two legs! Yes! And they
3: it's DX! It's all four people to DX! Kid kicks you right in the face. He was like, him. not the face! The face! I
2: have just trash him into the match right here. I thinking, hey, you stink can... here. McMahon right. comes out here.
3: Watch him try to get him. Look at this. Your nose went right in his clint. <laughs> That's McMahon from <in> <laughs> oh, <no, it's> <laughs> <laughs> the face! The veins come out of his neck. The veins. He
2: hates us more than anybody. <laughs> <It's> incredibly slow. That his malatosis right there. He
3: is killing me. We're not gonna have another DX night. What gonna have? What you gonna have? Shut the hell up! We need to get him.
0: What as you would have heard there, um, SmackDown starts with DX backstage poking fun of uh, the Raw recaps. Um, went a little bit long. Um, would have been good for about thirty seconds, but it went significantly longer than that.
1: I think so. Yeah, um, Road Dog. At one point when Vince was confronting Triple H, noted, Hey, your nose went right in his mouth!
0: <laughs> and... As as heels, the comedy's just a little forced.
1: Mm, yeah. I, I did appreciate them making fun of Vince's walk, though.
0: Yeah, that was good. And then our first match is a title match. It's the Hollies defending against Mankind and Al Snow, the best friends, as they're basically being called.
1: Mm, Okay. (laughs) Um, Holy shit. From the off here, we were talking about this last week and here it is. It's the Arsenal action figure that Walmart were trying to ban because it came with head um, and they were giving out people over everybody attacking it and King's really mad because apparently al's gonna get loads of royalties from this band figure like how are you gonna get a blooming royalty from this like if i sold you one of my wrestling figures the wrestler is not gonna see any monetary monetary gain from that are they
0: no absolutely not um i would think he's gonna lose a ton of royalties from the biggest shop in america pulling it off the shelves definitely but yeah, they actually had the figure. And oh, that hit me right in the Nostalgia Duncan. Those those Jax BCA figures, um, we didn't get... There was a period of time... I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before, but there was a period of time between Hasbro and Jax where there was no figures. But in America, they had the, the Just Toys Bendems. They never came to Australia. And we didn't get a lot of the later series of Hasbro. So we probably went four years without any wrestling figures. And when I, I saw this era, like just before this on the shelves, I was in my element.
1: Uh, I... I came in, like, roundabout then. So, like, the the kind of last few phases of the bone-crunching actions were around before it switched to, like, the WrestleMania 2000 range that had, like, the, the Titan Tron live in the feet and stuff like that. Um, I distinctly remember there was like a diesel and undertaker double pack that was constantly in the index catalog. When I was growing up, I'm like really having trouble shifting those diesel and undertaker figures.
0: Oh, we, they were before we got them back here. I w- probably would have bought that, but what the first ones I remember seeing over here were like the WrestleMania 15 backed ones. So like Kane, Austin, rock, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, really, really, um, <laughs> really nostalgic for me.
1: The only bone crunching action figure I ever got actually was Hardcore Holly, which is kind of appropriate.
0: <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, when the match gets started, we've got an atomic drop and a sit out powerbomb from Snow, um, a slam from Holly, Hardcore Holly that is, and a superplex from Al. Mankind with a knee lift and Socko, but Hardcore makes a save. We get a four-man brawl, and Mankind locks on a double arm DDT for the 1-2-3, and we open the show with new champions and a running high five.
1: (laughs) We're once again back to this trend of SmackDown immediately murdering Thunder in the ring, as far as comparisons go. Um, Very little for Mick to do in this match, so it was up to Al to bring some interesting stuff, but... For me, the real takeaway was how solid and reliable Hardcore Holly was working over in This match, you know, his perfect drop kick, the big stalling suplex, lots of good stuff here. I still feel like this is partially a bit beneath Mick, but it was a fun match.
0: I think this is like probably in the time where it's bailing Mick out a little bit. um Basically, he can't wrestle like he used to and take the punishment. He's, he's you know very much contemplating retirement at this time so whilst it's definitely beneath him to be in this scenario I think it's it's protecting his body a little bit and allowing him to do very little and still be on the show and popular
1: yeah it'll take a little while for him it's only when he knows for certain he's getting this program with Triple H coming up where he really prepares himself for this one last flourish so yeah I, I understand he's probably after an easy time here Um Interesting notes from commentary. Michael Cole was putting over the Hollies continuity, but then had to stop himself at the end and declared, they're not kissing cousins though. (laughs) And then Cole was also plugging Mick's book and he was saying, it's number three on the New York Times bestsellers list. Don't get much better than that. (laughs) <laughs> Is that maybe number two or number one? You mean?
0: <laughs> Not much better. Only a couple no. of spots. All right, I'm back. Okay. Apologies about the, the break. It's um, it's actually it's just about to be eleven o'clock at night here, and it's still probably about thirty degrees.
1: Oh, jeez. So I've drank story? a full
0: bottle of water and had to go and get a second bottle
1: we we've reached a grand total of two degrees here and it's probably the warmest part of the day jesus
0: it's um we we had a like not cold because obviously like what you've just described there but we had probably the coldest november i can remember having in brisbane and then about a week ago the heat just hit so one day it's just 35 degrees out the blue oh damn yeah Anywho, uh, no one cares about the Brisbane weather, so I'll move right along. It's um, JR with Stone Cold backstage, um, having a little chat. Um, Nothing too major here. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, uh, the new champs are in the babyface locker room celebrating with milk, which gets poured all over Al and Foley. I don't know how the hell he got this line in, but he says, I've seen you look like that before. Oh, no. Oh, I can't believe that made it onto SmackDown. Jeez. Blue Meanie was in this crowd
1: shot, which um, there's a revelation for me. I didn't realise he still had a job at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, his arm um, staff faded pretty quickly, didn't it?
1: I, I guess it did. You mentioned nothing much going on with that JR and Austin chat, but that was what we were supposed to have as the big takeaway from the DX opening at the minute vince accidentally hit shane with the title belt in his title match at the end of raw and jr questioned whether it was genuinely an accident and triple h is like whoo what a what an insightful call that was and so now all of the baby faces um across this night are kind of Interrogating Jr. about what he meant, and Jr. was like, "I'm sorry, it was a slip of the tongue. I, I, I just saw the old. I just saw Vince, and I just flashed back to the old Mister McMahon, you know."
0: It's um, it's funny because I wrote here not much going on, but then I think he talks to Rock and Kane and everyone later on in the night, and it becomes apparent like they're going for this storyline of is Vince gonna turn heel? Um, they they sort of overdo it by the end of the night, but this one was quite a bit more subtle.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, the genuine friendships probably like makes it a bit more casual than some of the other segments that we got coming up.
0: Definitely. Um, we then go to Test versus D'Lo Brown. Um, we see that Stephanie McMahon proposed to Test on Raw. Um, that's a, an interesting turn of events there. Uh,
1: she proposed to Andrew. I think you'll find.
0: Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so Cole announces that the wedding is going to be on the 29th of November on Roy's Wharf in the Staples Center. And That's... he tells us the world is invited, including you.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm going then. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, the match gets started, and Test hits a backdrop, and the posse come out onto the ramp. Um, full Nelson slam by Test in a sidewalk for a two. Um, we get a neck breaker from D Lo and a boot from Test a forearm and a leg lariat and a slam and a leg drop, pick up a two count for Delo a top rope axe handle, um, and he appears to hurt his knee on the landing, um, but he's faking and he rolls up as unsuspecting Tess, um, but then he still hurts. I'm a little bit confused by this ending.
1: Yeah, so Tess nearly kicked out and it, it almost looked like a mistake, but commentaries say that, oh, it's Tess is just so distracted by this wedding, you know, um... I found the posse's commentary far too distracting. Here, they called Test flamingo legs at one point and questioned the legitimacy of his name. Yeah,
0: that's um, <laughs> the 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 name thing definitely popped me. But yeah, the rest of it was was I, I could I could take it or leave it. After the match, Test helps Delo Brown up and just makes himself look like a complete muppet.
1: Mm, yeah, well, I mean, he, he probably is a bit. The old flamingo legs can't rely on him at all by the way damn you Lee that when Dilo Brown hit his leg Larry he hit it that time according to Michael Cole
0: <laughs> he's um, got a touch of the Shivani going on now hasn't he <laughs>
1: it seems that way like. um, decent looking offence but like the, the finish and the commentary just took it down for me
0: yeah I'm with you on that this was a very much a, a filler match um we go to Mick Foley, he passes the APA, they exchange some words, um, and I think he's looking for Val Venus. and one of the APA throw a can at him on the way past, which was a bit ridiculous.
1: Yeah, so he's approaching the APA and he's like, we've got to hang out just like in the old days, and then when Bradshaw throws a beer at him, he declares, I don't partake in alcohol, you jerks. So what the hell did you do when you hung out with each other then? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, Mick Foley just seems to have been let loose without a script on this one.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: JR's with The Rock, and yet we're asking about JR's commentary on Monday night, um, hoping that Vince McMahon hit Shane. It was an accident. Um, so definitely, as, as I mentioned earlier, on the second viewing here, it was it was quite obvious what they were going for. We then go to the Lug's Boot of the Week, and it's the Hardys and Edge and Christian winning an eight-man tag on Raw. And then next match is Edge and Christian versus 2Cool. So I'm actually kind of pumped to see 2Cool back um, and the the start of their run here. I was really excited when we saw them last show out, but seeing them get a bit of a rub amongst the the more established teams here is is making me happy.
1: Uh, It's Hardy boys, by the way.
0: It's against the Hardy Boys, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, all my notes. This is the second time tonight. I've got everything fine except for the title. I've put the wrong person. <laughs> my God. So,
1: <laughs> the face engine Christian last week and now they're transitioning to the Hardy Boys. And I was really disappointed by the reaction for the Hardy Boys. The, the fans were really quiet. And to be honest, the Hardys looked a bit disen- disinterested when they were coming out.
0: I think, like, going back, I you know, the narrative seems to be like that No Mercy ladder match moved the needle for Edge and Christian and the Hardys. I actually don't think they really get that popularity until WrestleMania 2000. Maybe you could make an argument for, you know, their popularity spikes a bit after the Rumble 2000 when Jeff hits that swanton off, like, the taxi entrance. But I think... It's a bit of a it's a bit misleading to think that their careers really took off after No Mercy. It's definitely a holding pattern for a while.
1: Yeah, the Rumble was a big one too, for sure. Um, it's always the same. Like the, the things that have staying power always lead to people talking about more long term narratives, as if it was like an immediate overnight sensation. Like think about Austin cutting the King mm. of the Ring promo. You know.
0: Yeah absolutely that was the first one that sprung to mind so yeah definitely um when the match gets started we have a hurricane Runner from jeff and then we get a poetry in motion for a two matt hardy with a moonsault for a two so he was a little bit more of a flyer early on um, they then hit a poetry in motion over the top rope to the floor and grandmaster sexe hits a powerbomb on the floor this was a little bit extreme for a smackdown random match <laughs> Um, a then cops a feel of Terry, as does Scotty Too Hottie, and that's just not okay. Dick moving a night. <laughs> yeah, he's like, just grabs her ass. It's it's you're really not okay. No. <laughs> um, Grandmaster goes for like a Bronco Buster style move and crutches himself. Uh, Matt Hardy hits a twist of fate, which is only good enough for a two-count here. Grandmaster Sexy hits a version of the stroke and Scotty Too hottie with the worm. Terry then gets on the apron and slaps Scotty, fair enough. Um and then allows Matt Hardy to lock on a suplex and Jeff to hit the swanton for the one, two, three.
1: So there's a lot of similarities with the match with Edge and Christian last week. I think Too Cool got slightly less shine in this one, and there were some clunky spots. And um, it was a solid piece of business in terms of action. Again, just the crowd, so disappointing for me. Matt Hardy's got this hot tag going on, and they're absolutely silent. What's going on?
0: Yeah, I'm glad they didn't pipe anything in, though, I suppose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I suppose <laughs> you've still got the fake fan noise from thunder ringing in your ears. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, it sounds like a regular match now.
0: I probably muted it by this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, we see Mankind bump into the Godfather's hose. He's still looking for Val Venus, and they tell him he's at the strip club. Um, so that's where he's going to go. He's walking out the arena, and the hose are talking about how cute he is as we see him scratching his ass on the way out. He also tells the ladies, remember, hooks, not drugs. (laughs) This, uh, I actually think, um, this might be controversial, but Mankind writes about this show in his book um, and seems to think of it really fondly i actually think he gets less funny at, with every segment in this show um which is disappointing i love mcfoley and he is hilarious but i think giving him four or five segments of comedy it just it definitely is um diluting it on the way
1: i don't think it's his best work
0: no law of diminishing returns in action here um JR's then with Tori um, and then Kane. Kane didn't answer the door. Tori answered the door and JR starts talking. Same spiel that they that he gave Austin and Rock. Um, they're overdoing it a little bit, but they're driving the point home, and then we go to a Kurt Angle vignette.
1: <laughs> I'm so fucking excited for this.
0: <laughs> Three eyes? Yes. Oh my god, I can't wait for Kurt. We then go to Edge taking on the British Bulldog for Bulldog's European Championship, and he's out with the posse. Um, Edge with an enziguri. Christian comes out late to the match, um, and then the headbangers come out. Apparently, they've got a beef with the posse. Bulldog with a delayed vertical, Edge with a Russian leg sweep and misses a drop kick. Christian DDTs a Bulldog on the floor. Edge hits a spear. Joey Abs makes a save and we get a big brawl with everyone involved. So headbangers, posse, Bulldog, Edge, and Christian, and a non-finish here.
1: Yeah, um, another bullshit finish. One thing of note from Bulldog, a little more neat stuff from Edge. It's uh, dunno. Just kind of uh
0: Yeah, agreed. JR's with Vince. Um, They beat a dead horse here. Um, JR apologizes for what he said on Raw, and Vince accepts his apology. Hmm. We then go to Mankind at the first strip club, and I'll splice a little bit of this in. I think this was the best of the three.
3: Wait! Hey, it's Mankind! What in the world? You're the manager, right? Yes. The Godfather's hose told me I could find Val Venus at Delilah's. Do you know the Godfather's hose? I know it's your host, but I'm looking for Valvinas. Val's not here. I've been here all night. Yeah. Well, maybe old George will jog your memory, Mr. Manager Man. Hey, he's not you. Here. Would you like a dance,
2: big boy?
3: Well, I would, but I'm just afraid you might get hurt on my big ass new championship belt. I think Valvinas is at that other place. <laughs> Mankind just took the tip, King. Are you ready?
0: what did you think of Mankind's first foray into the strip clubs here, Duncan?
1: Right, so this is typical Mick Foley. So he tries to bribe this lad in the club and one of the dancers took it as a tip. Mick was worried that his title belt was would get in the way of a dance, so he declines it and takes his money back! You fucking <laughs> dick!
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the bit that popped me, so that was probably the best of all of them.
1: Oh, my God. Very, um, fits really well with the narrative of Mick Foley being a cheapskate, which I don't think was really public knowledge by this point, so...
0: No. We then, back in the arena, have DX coming out, and a near two-decade-long mystery is solved for me on this entrance, Duncan. Go on. I could never understand why on... It was one of the SmackDown games. I think it was SmackDown 2 why does X-Pac come out with a can of drink on his entrance? And I see he's got that energy drink in his hand right here.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. He was doing that earlier in the summer, too. He had some kind of, like, sponsorship deal.
0: I never understood it, and now here he is, yeah, walking out with it, and I'm like, oh, that's why it was in the game.
1: Oh. What was disintro- disorienting for me when they came out was all of the clips of 1998 DX that was in the cut in this.
0: 1998 DX dressed a lot better than 99 DX as well, by the way. X Park in his stupid overalls. The Road Dog wearing different colour track pants that don't match the DX colours every week. It's actually really unnerving. I think it's good heel work because they just look like dickheads. (laughs) We get a long Triple H promo about what they did on Raw. And then we're told their newest member is Vince McMahon. They have a DX jersey with Vince on the back, and that brings out um, Vince and his retort. I will splice in here.
3: I can't believe this. Vince McMahon joins DX. Should McMahon join DX? Quite frankly, gentlemen, i join the Girl Scouts.
2: For the love of c*****, it's a billion-dollar company on the stock market. The stock's going through the friggin' roof, and we can't get a mic that works.
3: That's just one more reason why you should be with us, because we will always have a stick that performs I'd rather join WCW than John D. oh man wow. <laughs> what wow like WCW like <laughs> so I hope you've had all your fun last Monday and I hope you have more fun tonight when in that very ring uh oh. I smell trouble. Degeneration X will compete in a Survivor Series eight man elimination matchup. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's he talking about now? Against my son Shane. Uh oh. Against Kane. Whoa. Against The Rock? Yeah. yeah! And against Stone Cold what? Oh, yeah! Tonight! Right here! On SmackDown!
0: And Duncan, what would he rather do than join DX?
1: I'd rather join WCW than DX!
0: <laughs> that cracked me up. Great line.
1: Pop me big time. There was a bit of a struggle with the microphone beforehand as well, and DX were joking, we'll always have a stick that works.
0: Oh yeah, so bad. Um we- we're then told by Vince there's gonna be a Survivor Series rules match. DX versus Shane McMahon, Kane, Austin, and The Rock, and Vince ends with a big crotch chop. <laughs>
1: Oh, full of, full of news here. Um, yeah, like you say, the DX bit went on a little long and Triple H's southern accent when he was poking fun at JR was terrible.
0: Yeah, uh, it was just DX overload on this show. I was so excited for their reformation, but there's, you know, some bits of this like... I, I, I think, you know, like over the years when you sort of know the narrative that's gone on online and like the... the websites and whatnot about what got over and what didn't and I always loved DX and I always thought oh it's a bit harsh but watching some of these shows I can see how it, it definitely rubbed a few people the wrong way and wasn't as popular as, as it might have been with me who had only watched the pay-per-views really.
1: Well, it's, I don't think it's a good fit
0: for serious mainline heel Triple H. No and he's just acting like that with them as his lackeys and that's what's really annoying me. I think like I'd rather they reformed without him than reformed as his backup, and he's they stand in the ring while he does a twenty-minute promo.
1: Yeah, like you you're comparing and contrasting like ninety-eight DX um, to this. For me as a fan, this is like the visual that I get of DX with the the football jerseys and the leather and the the green and the black. Um, but like. As a, as a gimmick and stuff, this is definitely the least
0: memorable stuff. Absolutely. Michael Cole tells us Arnold Schwarzenegger will be on the show next week as we go to a commercial. Looking forward to that.
1: Yes!
0: <laughs> um, mix in Strip Club number two, and I've just got here. Not as funny as described in his book.
1: yeah that's true he walks in on one lass in the shower he pulls one lad with his pants down out of a peep show and then decides to indulge in the movie in the peep show himself
0: yeah, and he mentions some porn star who I've never heard of. It's definitely an age thing. Saying, "Oh, she's still around," so yeah, I, I think that was definitely funnier in mixed book than than it was in real life.
1: Like sex work is work and everything, but that was definitely the least interesting part of mixed books when he was talking about all the porn that he watched with his wife and stuff. Just keep that to yourself, mate. <laughs>
0: Uh, we then go to Godfather versus Chris Jericho, and Godfather cuts an in ring promo, as does Jericho on the ramp on the way down. He cuts a promo on China, and we see China and Kitty watching on a monitor backstage at a reasonable angle.
1: Very reasonable angle. Yeah. Uh, Jericho's line, Pimpin' ain't easy to watch, kind of popped me.
0: Jericho, I. My brother and I, when we were watching wrestling in 99, 2000, would always, like, when Jericho's music hit, just be like, oh, I hope he's got a microphone. And, yeah, whenever he did, it was always always good stuff on the way to the ring.
1: Yeah, nice stuff. Um, Godfather's entourage seemed to only be wearing his brand-new Just Say Hole t-shirt.
0: Yeah, got to move that merch. I don't think I ever saw anyone own that shirt. That would be an awkward one to wear. <laughs> We get a lion soul early in the match, um, and then Stevie comes out dressed as a hoe, gets the hoes to get into the ring. Super kick to Jericho. Ho train and the one, two, three in a what-the-fuck moment. Like, Jericho is about to go into an IC title feud, and he's losing from Stevie Richards' interference as a godfather hoe. This made no sense to me.
1: Yeah, total dud this one. This feud so far for Jericho has been terrible Two weeks on the bounce with some nonsense loss. It does nobody any favors?
0: No. We then go to Lillian backstage who catches Stevie Richards and it turns out he's now obsessed with China. He does cheerleading to spell out China's name but spells it with an I and not a Y. Um, pretty unfunny as well. Oh, I missed that he misspelled it. McMahon and Austin have a bit of a chat and we go to a commercial. And um, when we come back, we see Mankind's car being towed um, because he's stayed in the strip club too long. And we see an ad for the 99 Survivor Series, which is brought to us by Nokia. So it just takes me back to my first ever mobile phone.
1: Oh, you were the lucky one. I had the like, most basic Motorola one that I shared with my mum and dad and it didn't even have any games on
0: it. <laughs> Mine had Snake.
1: Oh, yeah, that was the one that my cousin and I always play. <laughs>
0: um, Austin's then. Um, sorry, Austin locks Vince McMahon out of his change room. Um, and then we get. Oh, sorry. Al's boring everybody backstage with his um, talk about the title match. They've heard it all before. And Val Venus comes in and jumps him. And none of the baby faces help. They like, just watch him get the shit kicked out of him
1: probably they were asleep from his boring tales um, I thought I spotted Nova in the entourage as well
0: I didn't notice I have to go back and have a look
1: there was some lad that I, I couldn't quite recognise and uh, that's my best guess at who it was um, but yeah it turns out Val had paid off a pair of the Godfather's ladies to send Mick on this wild goose chase and that's how he got to make this assault
0: we then see boss man and Albert gassing the big show on raw and beating him down after he was gassed. Um, that seems a little bit over the top. What a gas (laughs) commercial. And when we come back, um, Vince McMahon, um, tells Tori, um, Vince McMahon is with Tori. And I think he's trying to, um, he te- sorry, he tells Tori good luck for the match, try to fire up uh, Kane and, and get her to go and motivate him. Mm. We go to Boss Man versus uh, Big Show, and we get a big boot from Show. Uh, big Boss man powders to the outside. Big Show brings him back in. Uh, there's a double count out, though, before they get back to the ring. An atomic drop and a choke slam. Albert comes out and he choke slams him. He then choke slams Dave Hebner, Sergeant Slaughter, and Tony Gurria in a fit of rage.
1: Fucking hell, what a segment. Fucking Dave Hebner, who is like five years past being an official, he's that old and stuff, and he's taking a fucking choke slam from the Big Show.
0: Yeah, of all the people that came out, I didn't expect to see him taking one.
1: <laughs> oh, I love Big Show shirt. With the the palming the globe thing from his uh, chokeslam pose, but he looks so strange, clean shaven.
0: Yeah, he <laughs> does a little bit. Rock walks by Vince McMahon backstage, and we get our JBC Kaboom of the week, and it's Vince McMahon's belt shot to Shane because we've not seen that enough times tonight.
1: Was it an accident? <laughs>
0: And it's time for our main event, the eight-man Survivor Series match. This is a hell of a main event for free TV as well, by the way.
1: Not just free TV, like half an hour's notice on free TV. And it being the um, trademark match of your upcoming pay-per-view given away for free on TV. It's kind of, I guess, following the corporate Royal Rumble
0: model that they did earlier in the year. Yeah, good shout, Duncan. Um, match starts with a nice drop kick from Shane and a spin kick from x Park. We get an eight-man brawl pretty early. Kane with a top rope clothesline. Um, Billy Gunn hits a low blow and a Famouser, and then x Park hits the X-Factor, and Kane's the first man eliminated. He slams x Park before leaving, however, and this allows Shane McMahon to go in and pin him, but he only gets a 2 Vince comes out and Shane misses a Bronco Buster as we go out to commercial. When we come back in, X Park hits the X Factor on Shane and picks up the one, two, three. So it's now four on two.
1: I've noticed Kyle in the crowd again, by the way. Really? Someone in the crowd has a sign: Triple H, I'm single.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh, my God. I'm surprised he didn't um, try and bribe the, the riders for EastEnders to get a Triple H um, shout-in on his appearance. <laughs> <laughs> rock with a Samoan drop for a two, um, and then we get a rock bottom for a three, and the road dog's gone. Um, the crowd are heating up finally here, so I, I guess they were waiting for the big stars, and they're definitely getting into it now.
1: Totally. Yeah. What during the entrances they woke the fuck up for the rock coming out and it was to the point where he out popped Austin.
0: I know I was gonna make a note earlier in the show actually of of the order Vince announced the faces in, and it definitely went Shane, Kane, Rock, Austin, and I'm thinking, Oh, it's getting like one and one A here now. It's pretty close.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the entrances were like that as well, and um, I don't think people had quite the energy for Austin coming out because they got overexcited for the Rock being there.
0: We get, back in the ring, a spin kick from X-Pac for a two and a Billy Gunn suplex for a two. Rock with a DDT, and then Austin comes in and cleans house, hits a stunner on X-Pac, and the one, two, three, he's out of there. Austin with a Luther's Perez and Rock with a neckbreaker and a slam. And then reverses a roll up for a one, two, three, and Billy Gunn's gone, so it's now two on one. Triple H comes in and hits a pedigree on Rock pretty much straight away, and he's out. Austin stomps a mud hole, and then Vince comes out and nails Stone Cold with a belt by mistake and allows Triple H to pick up the one, two, three. So the second show in a row has ended with a errant McMahon belt shot that we're going to question whether it was accidentally done or on purpose. Do! I. I, I... Part of me wondered if this was playing into the who runs over Stone Cold angle, we're going to see at Survivor Series, but I don't think we it could be because if they knew about that, like, writing him off, he wouldn't be in the ring here. So I'm not sure what they were going for or if plans got changed as a result of that.
1: Yeah, this is something that I can't figure out like in terms of the timeline because um, they get a lot of flack for mispromoting this Survivor Series main event. And... Um, we got to be like what two or three weeks away from the series and he's wrestling this calibre of a match here, even if it is like a big multi man tag. Um yeah, they they must not know as much as you probably hope they would if he's gonna go away and have this very serious neck surgery.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um overall though, uh fairly enjoyable episode of SmackDown. had its highs and lows, but um, by comparison to Thunder, it was a breath of fresh air.
1: No, for sure. So, um, the ending was a little bit awkward um, with... um, So, Austin gets beat and then he no-sells the finish and starts cussing out Vince. Um, And then um, you get the belt shot and Austin no-sells that again. So, that that kind of uh, was a bit awkward, but... This this Survivor Series match, I think it's categorically the best match we've had on this timeline. Yeah, I'd
0: probably go with that as well.
1: Um, Daddy Ass was a bit of an unsung hero for me. Um, he was involved in some interesting stuff. He took a big boot from Kane at one point and it looked like he got murdered. It was brilliant. Um, yeah,
0: some really good stuff in this match.
1: Yeah, um, they squeezed everything you'd want from a TV main event out of it, really. Um, it just had a good rhythm. The faces went down early with those eliminations, and it fit the characters as well. You know, everyone piled on and Kane got to do his monster recovery. Shane had his inexperience taken advantage of and it's just lots of great action. Everyone got a chance to shine and Triple H got to frustrate the faces ahead of the Survivor Series again. Um this alone is enough to make SmackDown the winner for me. Um, but I kind of enjoyed a bunch of stuff from the undercard tag matches as well, like the tag title match and Hardy's and Too Cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I Look, I'll, I'll. we'll just cut to the chase. We've watched both shows. I've got SmackDown in all five categories. Thunder doesn't touch it on any level. Um, is there anything you think Thunder could possibly beat SmackDown at?
1: No, like I said, you could probably put this Survivor Series main event on its own against Thunder, and it's more than enough to
0: beat it. Absolutely. So then we're, one thing I, I guess I'm going to look at for this show then and get your opinion on first, Duncan, is I'm looking to now start bringing in an MVP of the show. Who would be your MVP of of these shows? Um across thunder and smackdown i'm guessing it's not anyone on thunder but who would you pick across the two shows as your star all across both um hmm uh, a bit um
1: like mick foley was the most consistent present on smackdown and um, besides vince but i think this is the big this is kind of a big coming out moment for the rocks star power he out popped Austin um, he yeah, had just as much of a run of the match and yeah I, I think um, this is a sign as good as any that we'll see coming up that uh, the WWF's going to be in safe hands when Austin goes away
0: yeah good shout um i rock was in consideration for mine i actually went with vince i think for a few reasons um his promo at the start of the show was great um really entertaining good line sets up a brilliant main event is involved in a show-long storyline that actually goes back to the last show and also just from a non-performer point of view the fact that they put on a show this caliber up against what Russo put on over in WCW just shows how fine they will be without him. And Vince has got things under control. So Vince got my MVP for these two shows. Yeah. Um, well, that's a nice, easy one then. No need to go and pick winners in each category because SmackDown murdered Thunder on every level. Um, a question for you. Are you looking forward to the next two shows?
1: arnie for fuck's sake yes arnie yes
0: (laughs) i think i'm gonna try and watch thunder first again um which is really difficult um because i'm super pumped for for arnie on smackdown next
1: yeah i don't know what the fuck we're gonna get on thunder but um, (laughs) i've not got much faith in it being any good i'll tell you that
0: no, absolutely not. I'm starting to consider just watching it on 1.5 <laughs> just to get through it quicker. It is horrendous. Um, well, that this will probably be the, the last time we get to rec- record b- before Christmas, so I hope you have a awesome Christmas. Um, what have you got in the works with Kyle at the moment?
1: Yeah, we'll be recording fairly soon. Um, hopefully to get an episode out before the new year, we'll be looking at the raw after survivor series 2001 with the fallout oh, of the alliance time, um yeah lo- lots of promos lots of Vince McMahon um yeah,
0: that that opening segment had me legitimately jump out of my seat that night
1: well there'll be uh, lots to discuss that say that um yes yeah, so hopefully that will be with you before the new year's out um, A Merry Christmas to everyone here, especially you, Lee.
0: Thank you much, Lee. Um, And thanks, everyone, for listening. And this will likely be the last episode that drops before Christmas for this show as well. So wishing everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And, yeah, we'll talk to you all again very soon. Cheers, guys. Hey, folks, Total
2: Protection, Mr. Hughes here, and you're listening to Raw is Nitro with Total Protection, Mr. Hughes.